find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. The music scene has got me down. Oh, shit. Those solid rhythms. Such famous makes you want to twist. cannot be saved. Welcome to the Ugly Radio. Tonight's episode We're Alive, Part 1. Hello, Void Dwellers. Shanks here, producer human manning the frequencies of the Ugly Radio. It's been a minute since we've uh, last chatted. A bit of a break, as it were. Uh, Originally, I had intended to take a break during the long dark. You know, those dark, cold nights between December and January. You know, they're not the most kind to me in general. Um, Especially this year, uh, there was a death in the family holiday stress, fluctuating mental health, and all the stresses that comes with being an adult in the world and left me feel pretty burned out. A feeling I'm sure most of you are familiar with. But the long dark is passing, the nights are growing shorter, that twitchy creative impulse firing again, the void stirs. All this is to say, thank you so much for your patience as I figure my shit out. It means the world to me uh, to have you with us here in the void, and I do not take that for granted. So, uh, where were we? Ah, yeah, uh, season four. Okay, so back in September, we produced our first ever live show of The Ugly Radio. We asked friends of the podcast to create stories and short plays for our ensemble to perform in this tiny 40-plus seat theater called 18th and Union in the Central District of Seattle, Washington. Over the course of three nights in early September 2023, The Ugly Radio was live, performed before a studio audience, and we recorded it. What you're about to hear is the first half of that live show. Uh, Over the course of the next two episodes, we'll be presenting the audio version of that show to you. Now, why not release the entire show in one EP? Why this whole preamble? You know, give us that sweet, unedited, unfiltered, lo-fi, sci-fi content, you may ask. Well, a couple of things. One, I'm fond of the 60 minutes or less format of this show when it comes to episodes. Therefore, splitting the live show at the moment of intermission felt pretty natural. Number two, some of the audio did need to be edited. For example... In between segments, I was introducing the segments live, like you normally hear uh, on any given episode. Unfortunately, those recordings of me introducing the segments sound as if I'm doing a Charlie Brown adult impersonation, as if it was filtered through the Necronomicon. Uh, So we dubbed over those, and we cleaned up some of the audio here and there during the transitions for your pleasure. And finally, number three, context. This live show was a pilot of sorts, our first foray into what we ultimately want to achieve with this podcast. Naturally, with a ramshackle DIY outfit like this, there's bound to be some warts. Warts that we gladly wear as a beauty mark on the void itself. 
if the audio sounds crunchy at times, if the dialogue appears slightly hard to discern on occasion, or maybe you've lost the plot from time to time, please know that this is part of the process. We're proud of what we did on those late September nights, in front of packed audiences who rode shotgun as we drove off the DIY theater cliff into the unknown. For that, we say thank you to those brave passengers, and thank you for listening to this today. Uh, we'll get better as this as we do more live shows, uh, but, you know, as it stands, we're really proud of these uh, performances and these plays. The fun thing about doing the live show was that we used it as a testing ground for material that would eventually make its way into Season 4. In fact, the first episode of Season 4, The Last Flight of the Eternal, uh, started with this monologue that we generated leading up to the world premiere of the show. Uh, it opened the live show. It was written by Maddie Nibble and myself, and it was performed by Maddie. So without further ado, The Ugly Radio Live presents an unfortunate team meeting in which the spaceship's mechanic tells the crew they're about to run out of oxygen. Well, uh, this is, um, this is tough, gang. I, I never thought I'd have to do this, so I'm just going to come out and say it. It's bad. Real bad. The main engine deck, as well as several auxiliary systems, will not respond to troubleshooting and are completely offline. Decks 5 through 8 have lost gravity, and due to our lack of connectivity to the climate management system, we still don't know the extent of the damage. Uh, the little needle, you know, the one that's over the electrolysis oxygen generator, it's in the red <laughs> the basement. Red, like a critical red. There's not enough duct tape in the Andromeda to fix this shit show kind of red. <laughs> and I just might be some simple space engineer from Backwoods Moon Colony whose main exports are sawmill dust and marrow bolts. But even I can tell when a situation is utterly fucked and. Folks, this is it. We gave it a good go, for the most part. See, the shortcut that Captain Dan wanted to take did shave about 6.5 light years off our return flight path, but by doing that, he also ran afoul of some space pirates who decided to give chase and plunder. Honestly, we were kind of asking for it, don't you think, Captain Dan? <laughs> I don't piss in Panther Tiger's habitat and then The only thing worse than pissing on the panther tiger's habitat is a late deadline. Right, Dan? <laughs> Aliens be damned, pirates be damned, asteroid belts be damned. Right, Dan? <laughs> it's a shame, because the claw also took out the engine core, so we are dead in water. Ain't <laughs> that just a claw to the bits? <laughs> I know you're not going to want to hear this, and I've already given you some awful news. But we are running out of oxygen, which means I am running out of time to say this. <laughs> I want this whole crew to know that we did the best we could. There were decisions made above our pay grades and behind our backs. <laughs> 
that are responsible for the death spiral we find ourselves in. So when leadership gets up and tries to tell you, it's fine, we're fine, everything's fine, just remember that anyone who profits off your exploitation has every reason to lie to you. <laughs> When I signed up with this ship, the Helix, I didn't have lofty expectations. I never dreamed of labor, so I didn't have a dream job. <laughs> Honestly, getting off of Colony 76 was a victory in and of itself. But once I got the chance to know some of y'all, and hear about your families back home, and learn which one of y'all cheats at cards, and how many of y'all are still paying off your respective educations, <laughs> I dreamed of us becoming something more. Not a family, or a polycule, <laughs> but something grander and more future-oriented. I dreamed of us becoming a union. <laughs> That's right, Dan. <laughs> you heard the rumors. <laughs> we were gonna unionize on your hands. <laughs> We just couldn't get it together, could we? We had too many cooks in that damn kitchen. We only wanted a fully stocked commissary. We wanted orange slices and juice boxes. We were a simple people. <laughs> Until command wanted better hours, security wanted better pay. Me? I just wanted some time off. Last PTO I got was when I took that uranium wrench to the face, and y'all know I ain't been the same since. <laughs> Any who are meetings? became arguments, and arguments became resentments, and resentments turned straight into complacency when Captain Dan started giving us the bare minimum. Unmonitored bio-breaks? Two weeks vacation? A fucking suggestion box? We couldn't come to the table, so we got scraps. We could have had it all if there was a way for us to unite against our oppressor. And as it stands, we have a less than an hour's worth of oxygen. <laughs> and the nearest help is six FTL jumps away. I can't tell any of y'all what to do with your last hour of breath. <laughs> but I'll be thinking happy thoughts. I'll be thinking of the alternate universe where we did unionize and our demands were met and we grew stronger together, I will be dreaming of the world where I am proud of my work and my workplace. I'll be dreaming of the healthcare I could have gotten that could have helped with my facial restoration after the uranium-rich incident. <laughs> and you'll all be there with me in my happy thoughts. You're not family, but you're all right. <laughs> Except for you, Dan. <laughs> Your corporate greed can love my nuts. <laughs> and if there's any justice left in the verse, I will survive long enough to watch you die. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.
a restaurant in the valley written by marcus gorman restaurant. It was always too expensive to justify. Well, glad I could make this happen. <laughs> the main teller and the soda jerk, huh? Sure. Hey, you called me. Because I'm good on my word. You kept eyeing me from behind the counter at Schwab's when all I wanted... Right, right, Cola. <laughs> a soda and a homemade sandwich on my lunch break. To be left alone. But you persisted. Kept saying my soda was on the house. Then you slipped me your number. And I said, I didn't think in a million years. When you say something like that... He should take the hint. You gave me your number and I said, I, I wouldn't go out, out with you unless the world was ending. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it. <laughs> okay, so you know it's funny. Extremely. Except for the... Uh, Flying saucers. And the... Uh, and ghouls. And all the zombies, zombies walking, walking around. around. <laughs> uh, do, do you know what the zombies want? Oh, not at all. <laughs> Zombie chaos, huh? Who'd have thought? <laughs> Well, you know, give me ten minutes and you want more of me. Swear on my life. Some confidence. Hey, if we only have ten minutes, let's get some drinks. Oh, sounds great. Uh, waiter. Oh, you don't have to shout. Looks like he's the only person working the tables. Yeah, we're some of the only customers right now. <laughs> anyway, um, Dorothy. Gregory. <laughs> uh, that's a nice dress. Oh, thanks. I got it from the Sears on Victory. Oh, were you part of that Sears break-in? I heard about that on the emergency broadcast. <laughs> People tearing things off the walls, knocking down mannequins, looting anything they could get their hands on. When the masses panic, what's wrong with a little five-finger discount? <laughs> well, it looks great on you. Thanks. And did you? Oh, loot anything. Oh, I, I wasn't in a ride like you, but I did siphon some gas from a neighbor's car. I mean, what's, what's away in those long gas lines? Am I right? <laughs> now, where is that, uh, where? Oh, uh, hi. Uh, my name is Jonathan, and I'll be your waiter. Jonathan. Johnny. Johnny Boy. Johnny just Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, what can I serve you today? Uh, we'd like to order some drinks. Uh, here are our menus, and if you turn them over, you can see our selection. Well, I know what I want. Double makers on the rocks. Please. <laughs> and for the lady? I'll have to look at the menu. Of course, miss. Hey, what's that one all the fancy people are drinking? It's tropical. You got one of those, Johnny Boy? It's Jonathan. What was that? <laughs> what drink do you mean? Uh, <laughs> it's a cocktail. I'm more of a wine person. My tie! Oh, she'll have a my tie. Well, let's Right away. Uh, and our specials for tonight include... I'll have a ribeye. A ribeye? Oh, never heard of a ribeye. Johnny Boy's never heard of a ribeye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, wait. Add some lobster to that. Do you have lobster here? I'm sparing no expense. Hey, give me the whole lobster. Can we make that happen? We can usually do lobster. Well, great. But unfortunately, due to extenuating circumstances... Medium rare. And for the lady? Oh, she'll have the same. I'll have a cob salad. Oh, a salad at the end of the world, please. Two steaks with potatoes and greens. Jonathan, call for you. Uh, two medium rare steaks. I'll be back with your drink shortly. Be nice. What's that? Uh, don't you think you're being a little intense with Jonathan? Who? 
the waiter. Just because there's chaos outside doesn't mean you can't have manners. Oh, well, I mean, I've been at Schwab for six years and the customers treat me like garbage. And that was before the aliens came. It's our nature. Well, anyway, tell me more about yourself. Are you from here originally? Sorry about the delay. Here's your makers and uh, my tie for the missus. Uh, is everything okay? Oh, we were having a conversation. He looks like he's seen a ghost. Oh, go on. It's my parents. Uh, when the flying saucers came, Mom and Dad went straight to their bomb shelter. Well, great. Everything's fine. <laughs> but it turns out all their canned food down there was expired, and now they might have botulism. That was the hospital calling. They're spread pretty thin at the moment, and it's not looking so good for my mom and dad. I didn't want to come into work, but it's my shift, and I couldn't find anybody to cover me, so I went to my car, but all the tires had been stolen, so I asked my roommate for a ride, but he tried to eat me, so he's a zombie now, which means he's dead, and I've got to find someone else to help pay the rent. And he also ate my cat, so now I get another cat. The gas was all siphoned out of it, so I just had to walk. I show up, and it turns out that I'm the only one here other than our nihilist cook. I open the walk-in, and it turns out all the eggs have hatched, but there are zombie chickens walking around like the devil back there, and now I can't even cry in the walk-in anymore. Oh, no! Yes, I've called the cops, 
but they're pretty busy right now with the everything. Oh, Jonathan, help! Oh, I've got you! Okay. Oh, 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 we got a fire! What him up, Johnny boy! It's Jonathan! Oh, Get behind me, miss! Surprise, surprise! Johnny boy, got a mean red hook! Too bad you can't even make a proper fucking Mai Tai! You two deserve each other! A tease and a failure with dying parents and an undead roommate, no cat! I hope the zombies get you! And I'll be glad to know it was all because of me! sounded like an asshole. <laughs> he was. Also, he was rude to your waiter. We can tolerate a lot of behavior, but not being rude to waiters. Thank, Thank you. you. You are welcome. Have a great rest of your evening. Goodbye. Uh, uh, wait, uh, do you still need to go see your parents? Well, but my shift. Oh, forget your shift. Let's get you to the hospital. Would you like a ride? Uh, sure. Oh, that's very kind of you. It is no problem. Come aboard. Stone Soup, written by Jane Rebecca Canarella. I can't go into the kitchen at night because of the midnight roaches. <laughs> My favorite meals are late at night, cross-legged in the halo of the refrigerator's glow as I eat sour cream with a soup spoon, <laughs> dropping purple bruised berries into that white sea. Fruits de mer of whatever isn't expired. I am a seated sea swallower. And I don't eat sacred late night dinners anymore since the roaches moved in last week. <laughs> Each one of the family the size of a pepper grinder, these long, long, segmented bodies who've decided to use my kitchen just as AM switches to PM. The night they first appeared, they built ladders and bridges from their bodies and then collected tools to cook stone soup. Each wore a white toque which sat slightly crooked on their flat heads. One, Cut scraps of carrots, onions, and then the leaky parts of celery picked from the trash. Another ran the sink water, and another one collected the water in a white bowl. They passed the water in a brigade to a huge pot. 
The, the, the roach with the crooked antenna monitored the roiling waters, dodging his little head around in clouds of steam. <laughs> Once the vegetables were in the boiling broth, the roaches carried a hefty stone down the line and rigged a pulley to bring it into the pot. One roach seasoned the soup with salt, another with pepper, <laughs> when the stone soup was cooked to the midnight roach's standard, they shared a ladle and blew off the heat from the stone feast to cool before spooning it into one another's mouths. They nodded with approval at the shared labor. <laughs> a midnight feast cooked to perfection. But before I could add my mouth to the meal, they made it known with the boom of mass bodies that their family was the greatest number of cooks allowed in the kitchen. Gapping John and huddling hand for the ladle, I was bullied into the bedroom with no portion of the share. That the smallest one chased me with a cheese grater. <laughs> I felt the breeze of his six spiny legs rushing after me. Downturned mouth and disapproving face. In the morning, when the lime color of sunrise brightened the bedroom, I walked to the kitchen to find a stone carcass placed against the wall. No roaches in sight. And from that night on, every piece of the leftover stone meals became another ashlar in the quarry face of my stone soup kitchen. Now my suppers are all in the mornings, and the midnight roaches continue to build their meals with masonry while I sleep. <laughs> The Factory, written by Zoe Maltby. P-O-N-M-L, 
Please report to the cargo bay for processing. Stocks J through F to the bay. Have you ever met one of them? Them? Like, like the them? Yeah. Them? Yeah, once. No way. Uh, I was 10. What was it like? She was a woman, uh, short hair, old like, like teachers or dorm supervisors. Not old. <laughs> Maybe older. Was she nice? K-J-I-H, please report to the cargo bay for processing. Stocks K through H to the bay for processing. We're soon. I'm ready. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm not. No. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be fast. What if no one wants me? Someone will. I'm not skilled. I'm not good looking. Yeah, you're not though. I know. <laughs> they told me early on. Well, how do you know so much about it? I, I mean, you don't look like someone who's special. I ask people. I do my research. You shouldn't ask so many questions. Why not? They wouldn't like it. Is that what the woman said? Stop asking questions. <laughs> G, F, D, please report to the cargo bay for processing. Stocks G through D to the bay for processing. Did she say she liked you? Stop. Liked your hair or your eyes? Stop asking me. It's not that question. She said I was skilled, but I was painting and, and she didn't like it. I was painting a, a sky. Why not skies? Because it's not specific. I, I, should, I should paint fruit or people. Why did you paint skies? I like the colors. I heard the sky used to be blue. That sounds boring and untrue. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw it once. I can do a lot of things, you know. Sure. I can paint, I can do karate, and I have good penmanship, and sometimes I write stories. Stories. I wanted to send one to one of them, but teacher said no. Well, yeah, because you're talking about a made-up thing that's obviously not real. Stories. They're like lies, except they're not trying to be true. I wrote down one of my dreams one time, and the teacher said that's like a story, and then she took it, but then I did it again because I liked it so much. <laughs> you remember your dream? All the time. Don't you? I wonder if any of them want stories. Probably not. Stock doesn't need to lie. C, please report to the cargo bay for processing. Stock C to the bay for processing. We're next. Could you do me a favor? What's that? It's when you do something for me and I, then you don't ask for anything back. Oh, that doesn't sound nice. <laughs> please. Okay. Could you kiss me? What does that mean? <laughs> I, it's like I touch my mouth to your mouth. That sounds unpleasant. It's <laughs> not, though, I promise. It sounds wet. It's <laughs> <laughs> not. 
want to, I want to, I want to, and I might never get to. Why do you even want to do a weird thing like that? Because it happened in one of my dreams once, and it was so nice. Well, how do you know you won't do it later? If we don't lie after, then we also don't kiss. Well, we're not supposed to drink. <laughs> I told you it would be nice. <laughs> what did you get to drink? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to be stuck. A, please report to the cargo bay for processing. Stock A to the bay for processing. They, they, um, they skipped me. There was a mistake. They don't make mistakes. Stock A to the bay, please. I have to go. I What's your name? Uh, Cody. Cody. Thank you for the kiss. Uh, uh, yes. I wanted someone to remember. Wish I could remember. Stock have been processed. Uh, no, I'm I'm still here. I'm I'm still I'm still here. All stock have been processed. Repeat. All stock have been processed. Greetings from Ashbury Park, written by Jane Rebecca Canarella. shakes his head, a foam feather-thin line of beer on his chin. The cheese stuck to the wrapper is the sun. Unlistening piles of bodies, what I'm called a tremendous athlete. Battle for Bam Bam is the loneliness of a bounty hunter with varsity letters. I am surrounded by million-dollar dreams hunted by hatred while booze fill the ring. A room absent of affection for a giant who moves as swiftly as a sailboat. Halfway from the home plate of a bell's ring, the weight of Fatu and Samu against the burned ropes, back and forth, the winding spin of a yo-yo, like kids doing cartwheels and forward rolls. Forgetting kayfabe, I look for Luna's blonde hair, strands sprouting upward like antlers. She is not there. It would have been nice to have friends of any kind with me. 
Backstage secrets meant to keep code even though the title wasn't on the line. If only there was one cheer, I would have rewarded the crowd with a greeting from Ashbury Park. Or a walk on the top rope, like how Moose remained sure-footed on frost-filled earth. The year I died, 40 of my friends died too. The same folks from the United Center. We only ever saw Chicago inside a cave. A moonsault sounds like a somersault to the sky, tumbling upward forever. When I died, I was slung in a black flip splash toward the moon, higher rising in flight, until I was surrounded by the gleam of those 40 friends who are once again stars. The Graveyard in the Valley, written by Kelleen Conway Blanchard. The cemetery is a cold place, even in the City of Angels. We join Jeffy Filks and Inspector Clay on a blue sky day like any other. Like any other, except death hasn't just contented herself with the departing resting uneasy in their graves. Today, there is murder in the graveyard. Oh. oh no. You're gonna get sick, kid? No. No, I'm okay. Sir, it's just never seen a dead body before. It's so still and white, like a wax candle, but not lit up. Just gone dark. This is a city of angels. Dead people everywhere, especially here. Usually not so fresh. It's the grave digger. It's Danny, all right. Grave digger Dan. He was a, a family man, you know, 12 children. Now, one of his kids plays a bassoon. Talented, that one. The bassoon sounds like a man crying, huh? Hey, <laughs> Digger Dan, he will be missed. At least by those 12 people. <laughs> Don't look like Great Digger Dan no more. He's got almost no head, for starters. How, though? Yeah, could be an animal. I don't see any bite marks or claw marks. Nothing like that bear mauling out in Silverdale last summer, or that owl attack in Brentwood, or, or that beaver swarm by the Hollywood Reservoir. No, this ain't that. This is something different. Next, broke. Well, that's it. Then you write up the report. I guess the breaking was real rough to make the rest of them so messy. Death isn't a pretty sunny day picnic, son. Sir, you learn that the better. We all walk down this hallway. Some of us get to the end sooner. All you can do is pray that you don't end up like this fella, leaving 12 orphans and a widow and most of his head behind. <laughs> <sighs> Smells funny, don't it? I lost my sense of smell in the war, kid. <laughs> I lost a lot of things. 
smells like sulfur and candy corn. <laughs> I smelled that smell before, sir. Yeah. You see those lights in the sky last night? Yeah, sure. Look like fireworks, but real boring fireworks, just kind of floating around and making a pattern. So? You don't gotta believe me. No one does. So it's okay. But I know what them lights were. I've seen things. Things make you cry like a baby. I once saw a woman eaten by wasps. I found a grown man's toe once in a baby carriage. <laughs> I believe most anything. Try me. When I was just small, outer space people kidnapped me. Those lights, that smell, it was them. Who? I don't talk about it much on account of those people think I'm nutty, but one night when I was small, maybe 10 years old, I was listening to the Buttermilk Kids radio hour. You remember that? Yeah. Buttermilk Kids, Buttermilk Kids, remember kids, drink your buttermilk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bunch of kids on a farm fighting crime with frozen butter and wedges of cheese. Good, wholesome American entertainment. Not like them TV programs now with all the degenerate kids nowadays fighting crime with hula hoops and margarine. That kind of thing will make you a commie. I was listening to the Buttermilk Kids and Trixie the talking goat had just cornered a murderer in the barn using a slippery butter trap. <laughs> when I saw the lights, white and pink and yellow lights outside my bedroom window, they were moving around, swirling and blinking, and then a noise, kind of a low rumble like thunder. And that smell, that smell of a rotten egg and a sugar cookie. I felt myself lifted. I was floating. I couldn't do nothing to stop it. And then nothing. It was just blackness. I woke up in a kind of white room and there were people, but they weren't people. And they looked, they looked like us, but they weren't like us, not in the eyes. Eyes like cats and razor teeth. And they told me inside my mind, I could hear them there. They told me they were going to cut me open. We're going to cut you open. <laughs> Turn me inside out. Turn you inside out. <laughs> they had knives and tubes, and, and I could see other kids. But they, but they were just gone, those kids. Still alive, but like, like they got their power turned off. You understand? Making these groany noises. I started screaming in the blackness. Next thing I knew, I'm back home in my bedroom. Nothing's different, only the Buttermilk Kids is over, and that show about dancing chickens is out. Look at those birds whirl. Those were some chickens. <laughs> sure. That show was on. It was like it never happened. Like I was never stolen from my room, taken somewhere into space. My kidneys and heart were never cut out of my body, weighed and put in little jars. My face was never peeled back. <laughs> Maybe it was. Dreams can be real powerful. I have a recurring dream about riding a dragon. Real vivid. <laughs> Love that dragon. Her name, 
production of Ugly Radio Presents and is part of the Podmoth Network. Tonight's episode was produced by Andrew Shanks. Tonight's episode was We're Alive, Part 1, recorded at 18th and Union on September 8th, 2023. Segments were The Mechanics Monologue, written by Maddie Nibble and Andrew Shanks, performed by Maddie Nibble. A Restaurant in the Valley, written by Marcus Gorman, performed by Sarah Rose Nottingham, Cody Smith, and Jordan Michael Whitby. Stone Soup, Written by Jane Rebecca Canarella, performed by Lisa Vertel. The Factory, written by Zoe Maltby, performed by Maddie Nibble and Cody Smith. Greetings from Ashbury Park, written by Jane Rebecca Canarella, performed by Cody Smith. A Graveyard in the Valley, written by Kelly Conway Blanchard, 
performed by Lisa Vertel, Sarah Rose Nottingham, Mary-Kate Moran, Jordan Michael Whitby, and Maddie Nibble. Part 2 will be out next week. Title song provided by Unknown Citizen. The Ugly Radio is a proud member of the Podmoth Network. Podmoth is a tirelessly curated collection of the weird, odd, and macabre podcasts. Give them a listen today. To support The Ugly Radio, join our Patreon. You can also contact us at theuglyradio at gmail.com. Take care, welcome back, and we'll see you in the void. Work sucks. Am I right, Jay? Yeah, Kay, it does. But luckily, the Fuck My Work Life podcast is here to help you through. In this comedy podcast, we share memorable workplace stories through guests and listener submissions in the hopes of brightening your day, or at least leave you thinking, maybe you don't have it so bad after all. Listen to Fuck My Work Life on your favorite podcast platform and follow us on all the socials at FMWLPod. Hey there, my name is Bree. And I'm Suze. We're the hosts of Crime and Spirits, a true crime and cocktail podcast. Do you love spooky stories and all things true crime? How about themed cocktails? Do you love those too? Well, that's perfect, because so do we. Yeah, in fact, we love them so much, we made an entire podcast all about it. Every week, we bring you a new episode that covers a different case or topic of interest. But first, we'll need drinks. Don't you worry, we've got you covered there. Every week, we'll teach you how to make a handcrafted cocktail that ties into the theme or topic in some way. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much every other platform available. So buckle up and sip tight. We can't wait to talk some true crime with you. Bye. Bye.